Hi, and welcome to Motivated Minutes with Meg, the podcast that's about to sprinkle your day with wellness wisdom and laughter as we explore how to live life to the fullest. I'm your host, Megan, a busy mom of two in her 40s who is obsessed with helping you live a happy, healthy, and fun life. I'm your go-to gal for all things holistic nutrition, wellness, and motivation. Each week, we'll explore topics about wellness, nutrition, and life as we chat with inspiring guests, wellness experts, and have real conversations about real life and how we can live it better. So whether you're a wellness warrior, an entrepreneur, a creator, or a stay-at-home mom, or just curious about how to add a little more motivation to your life, you're in the right place. Get ready to laugh, learn, and live your most radiant life. Grab your favorite smoothie, find a cozy spot, and let's dive into another episode of Motivated Minutes with Meg. In today's show, I sit down with Kaylee Calabrese, a wellness expert, gut health and hormone health specialist, and certified holistic health coach who's been helping women for over 15 years. Kaylee and I sat down to discuss perimetopause. What is it? What does it do to our bodies? And what can we do to help ourselves during this phase of life? Perimetopause is the time in a woman's life that happens before we hit menopause. It's a pretty important phase of life. And Kaylee goes deep into what it is, how we can help our bodies, and what can we do to support ourselves. I wanted to bring her on the show because she's been around for a very long time. She's helped a ton of women, both in her private one-on-one coaching as well as in a group coaching atmosphere. And I think she's pretty incredible. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kaylee Calabrese. Kaylee, I'm so excited to talk to you today about perimetopause and hormones and all the things. Um, To jump in, why don't we just start off by uh, you telling everyone a little bit about your story and um, how you got to be who you are? Yeah, I would love to share that. So um, I've been a holistic health coach for coming up on 17 years now. And so I've always considered myself to be like a pretty health conscious person. And about three and a half, four years ago, around the age of 43, I started to have some like weird things happening with my health. So I had healed myself from chronic debilitating anxiety in my 30s. And I hadn't had anxiety in almost a decade. And suddenly... I started feeling really anxious and I was like, huh, now if you want to time it up, we're like 43, we're like mid pandemic. So I'm like, well, it's the pandemic. That's where the anxiety is coming from. And then I started not really sleeping at night. I started having terrible insomnia. I used to be an amazing sleeper. Now all of a sudden I couldn't fall asleep. When I finally did fall asleep, I was waking up every couple of hours stretching my sleep into like 9 and 10 a.m. because I was just exhausted. And I was like, well, I don't know what's causing this. I tried everything, go to bed early, go to bed late, set this set this timer, like redo my bedtime routine, take all the supplements, right? And just couldn't sleep. Um, fast forward maybe a year into all of this, I started getting chronic UTIs. Hadn't had a UTI since I was probably like 20, all of a sudden I'm like getting three or four UTIs a year. And I'm like, what is happening here? And then one morning, I remember waking up and looking in the mirror and going like, who is that? And why does she look so old? (laughs) It felt like my skin aged 10 years overnight. Like I just woke up one morning and I was like, my skin looks gray. It's dehydrated. It's dry and flaky. It's 
thinning. And I was like, what is happening with me? So I started seeing, I went, of course, I made an appointment with my gynecologist and I thought, maybe I'm in perimenopause. Mm-hmm. Have my blood work done. No, you're not in perimenopause. All of your hormone levels look great and you're too young for perimenopause. So here I am thinking like, well, something's definitely wrong with me then because perimenopause is not a diagnosis. It's a, it's a normal, as you know, phase of life. It's like puberty. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman and you're lucky enough to live into your 40s, 50s, we're all going to go through perimenopause, which is the phase of time that leads us up to menopause. And menopause is really like one day. It's the right. day, the one-year anniversary of not having After you've stopped getting your period. Yes, it's like one day. I feel like that's the common thing that people think about. I think they think, I think I know me and I'm educated. Right. I, I, I knew what menopause was. That's for older women. That's <laughs> not me. I'm still getting my period. So, and everything you just described, I have experienced all of that within the last year. Yeah, I was still getting my period, even though they were not as predictable. Um, I did have some like very heavy months of bleeding, like really intense, actually around right around 43, the same time the anxiety started one day. This is this is going to be a little intense, but I'm going to like put this out there because I want women to know these are signs and symptoms that your body is starting to go through a shift. Your your ovaries are getting ready yeah, to head to retirement. I want to educate yeah. people. I want people to know let's list as many symptoms and things as we can so that people are aware because I was not prepared. And then because I was friends with somebody like you who talks about it and I have like you know, access to that. And I knew what to look for. I knew I I finally, I got it, but it was after a year of going through it and being like, Oh, I'm just extra tired. Oh, I'm just extra anxious. Oh, I'm just extra moody. Or I'm just, my eyes are really dry. Like whatever it was, it was just like another thing. And then I finally got to the point where I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm in perimenopause. Yeah. Which those are all symptoms. And for me, one night I was at my period, went to bed. My kids were with their dad that, that night. So I was home alone woke up in the middle of the night and I felt wet and I pulled the covers back and I was covered in blood (gasps) and I was like terrified. It was very scary. I got out of bed. I went to the bathroom, very big clots came out when I peed. I started to walk back to the bed and the room started to go like this, like darkness coming in on me. And I was like, I'm going to pass out. Like vertigo or just like you're going to pass out? Like, you know, like the blood didn't go quick enough. Like a blackout. So like, it was like, everything was getting small. I could feel it coming in. I sat down, I grabbed my phone and I thought if, if I pass out and I'm bleeding, I didn't know what was happening. I called 911. They sent an ambulance. And when they took me to the hospital, thankfully it wasn't like, it wasn't, I wasn't obviously like so much blood that something bad was going to happen, but it was scary for me. Mm-hmm. And I was dehydrated. That was why I almost passed out. So I was dehydrated from the blood loss. And it was summertime in California. Uh, I had to get an IV and then I was able to come back home um, at a huge workout event. Had my period, put a tampon in, 20 minutes later, did a jumping jack. Had to leave the workout, go home and change. So like, these are things that people don't realize women are going through. And you think you're the only one going through it and you're mortified and it's embarrassing 
And these, but these are all signs. Number one, they're all signs of perimenopause, but also when the symptoms are that extreme, it's a sign that there are some imbalances happening in our body because there are always going to be some symptoms as our bodies go through these shifts and we try to find homeostasis. Mm-hmm. But if they're extreme and if they're, you know, disruptive to our lifestyle, that's a sign that it's time to take a deeper look and see, okay, what other hormones might be dysregulated and that's making this so intense. And that was the part that thankfully with my health coaching background, once I finally realized yeah. I don't need a diagnosis to start addressing these symptoms, I can just take action based on my symptoms. Yeah. Everything got better. And it took a little time. I'm almost four years in, but perimenopause is like a five to 15 year journey. So embrace the journey, you know, start to make some little shifts because it could be a really empowering, joyful time where, you know, we're meant to be our most confident, our most intuitive. We've spent years becoming Mm. who we're meant to be and serving everyone in our lives and in our families, our kids, our partners, you know, and this is like our time. We're kind of on the tail end of that. We know who we are. Wow. It should be amazing. Yeah. Don't let these symptoms ruin it. Like use them as a wake up call and tap into what your body's asking for. Right. That's what I it's a sign that our body needs something. So instead yeah. of fearing it, which The anxiety doesn't help that, but we just have to choose not to be afraid. We have to know that the anxiety or whatever is coming up for our bodies in that moment to be little detectives and to figure out where we need support. So yeah, I, I love that. And, and how scary, I mean, I've definitely filled up a tampon in 20 minutes this last year, hundred percent. And I was like, well, that's great. That's weird. Okay. All right. You know, yeah, you can never have enough, um, supers when you're out and about doing things and working out. I can't only even imagine, but I think that it, it would be helpful for women. Okay. So we, we've addressed some of the symptoms. Maybe we can list them and then kind of go into some ways that we can support our body. So I know that you are a huge fan of like face yoga. You, you do lots of videos and tutorials on your Instagram, which I've watched and done and learned from where, you know, to do it on your face, to help bring like the hydration and the energy and stimulate collagen, all, all of that, which I love it. That's a very natural, like holistic way um, to help with, you know, signs of aging and just getting that blood flow, like, you know, in our, in our cells and our tissue and our face, but why don't we, why don't you um, list for people like the, I guess, most common and then, um, you know, some ways that we can support those things, because I know we can come at it from nutrition. We can come at it from lifestyle. And so why don't we just kind of give everybody kind of a general list and then kind of go into how to address those things if they could be experiencing that. Yeah, that's a great, I think a great place to start. So I think there's one thing that's important to point out as we go into the symptoms. At the start of perimenopause, one of the hormonal imbalances that becomes very common is estrogen dominance. So we tend to go like dominant in estrogen, which is partially due to the fact that a lot of our bodies aren't fully prepared to metabolize and, you know, excrete this excess estrogen, but also 
the important thing about estrogen is the balance with progesterone. As you head into perimenopause, a lot of times we start to have anovulatory cycles where we're not ovulating. When we don't ovulate that follicle in the ovary that would normally release an egg, when it releases an egg, it becomes a corpus luteum gland. And that is what produces progesterone. So if we don't ovulate, we don't have that progesterone production. And that gap, we have decreasing progesterone, increasing estrogen, that gap. So that's the start. But then as we shift, as we get closer to like menopause and postmenopause, our body shifts the type of estrogen that it makes. And the type of estrogen that we start to make, we make less, and it's about 10 times less, it's 10 times weaker than the estrogen that we make in our fertile years. And so then we can have low estrogen. So we, we're going on a trajectory where our body is going on a journey. So the symptoms can shift and everyone's body's unique. So like your gut health, your liver health, your stress levels, all these things play in, but some of the most common symptoms We've covered heavy bleeding, very irregular, unpredictable periods, shortening or lengthening, anxiety, and we haven't said depression, but anxiety yeah. and depression they are They go huge. hand in hand. Yes. And, very, me, they always very have. and yes. mood swings. Yes. Um, anger and rage can actually be very common symptoms. Like women can experience like this rage kind of coming out um, and it's you know, with the shifting of the hormones, dry skin, dry eyes, um, difficulty maintaining or putting on muscle, difficulty recovering from workouts. Insomnia is actually a really common one. Many women become more sensitive to alcohol. So mm -hmm. a lot of women will, that'll be one of the warning signs, not, not a warning because it's not a bad thing, but one of the signs like your body's starting to head into perimenopause. We often become, it's like we're becoming more sensitive to the, I mean, hormone shifts, obviously, but like, I feel like I just felt like more sensitive emotionally, physically, just not different than before. Right. And the common ones that you always have heard about, like night sweats and yeah. hot flashes, those obviously as well. And then also, have you had hot flashes? Rose, what is I have not. Thankfully, okay. I have not had hot flashes. I haven't experienced that yet. But a lot of my clients had, and they can be debilitating. Like if you're yeah. a woman, you know, like you're standing up giving a presentation or, or teaching in front of your class and all of a sudden, you know, and with a hot flash, your heart rate usually elevates, which can trigger an anxiety attack. Right, or it's similar to a panic attack almost and an anxiety attack I've read. I, I had... I had a vertigo episode and then I either had a hot flash and a panic attack, anxiety attack, or an anxiety attack that felt, I thought maybe it was a hot flash um, mm -hmm. because it was so scary to have a vertigo episode like that. I was not expecting that, but um, I, yeah, it was weird. Um, my OBGYN doesn't think that I had a hot flash because typically when you get them, you continue to have them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so definitely mine, I think was like anxiety, panic attack. Yeah, we can, you know, raise your body temperature and all of that. Like our body temperature is becoming more sensitive, but we also develop a lot of times breast tenderness, breast swelling, fibroids, polyps. When estrogen rises, things grow. Okay. So Facial hair? Are we going to get mustaches? Well, that, that can happen as well. So like, yeah, there's, especially, you know, with PCOS. So right, right. Will people uh, develop PCOS or will symptoms just it become harder for them again and they'll have to find homeostasis. What I think what it's more 
it's more common for their symptoms to like intensify, okay. you know, you have PCOS and then you're going through perimenopause. There's just Be a lot that, you know, you're going to yeah. have to really pay attention to your body and take care of yourself during that transition. Okay. Yeah. Because when it comes to our hormones, I always like to talk about it like a hierarchy. So like when we say hormones, most people think estrogen, progesterone, testosterone are sex hormones, but hormones are like our chemical messengers in our body. So there are hormones controlling our metabolism, our heart rate, our stress, our thyroid, you know, like growth, melatonin is a hormone, like all of these things. There's a lot of other hormones that are playing into the picture and they work together like this tight knit symphony. So when one goes out of tune, it impacts all of the other ones. And so when I think about perimenopause and I work with my like private clients, we talk a lot about oxytocin, our like happiness, feel good hormone that helps to keep cortisol in check, which is our stress hormone. Cortisol also impacts insulin, blood sugar, which most people think like, well, you know, I'm not diabetic, pre-diabetic, insulin resistant. I don't need to worry about blood sugar, but blood sugar is having a major impact on also estrogen. So like when insulin is high, we can get a dump of estrogen into the body, estrogen dominance. So it's like those three are a lot of times where we have to go. We didn't even talk about like menopause, belly, weight gain through the hips, the stomach. That's fat another storage. Yeah. A lot of women see fat storage. And all of that is very heavily influenced by blood sugar or insulin, which is also can be very heavily influenced by cortisol. So if we're not managing our stress, and if we're not balancing our blood sugar or stabilizing it, it's going to be That's very true. hard to regulate our sex hormones. That is fascinating. It is, it just is so apparent how important nutrition and lifestyle choices are. Like there's so, so much we can do there. Yeah. And so, you had a healthy lifestyle before and as did I. Um, you know, and that's like our passion and our expertise and how, you know, what we're, what we're all about. And we still, you know, so I don't, I, I don't want anyone to be scared. I know that there are people that are like freak, you know, I'm, I'm reading comments on posts and things like that about different things. And, and there are some women out there that are scared. And yes, when something changes, change is scary. It is, yeah. but the only thing that never changes is change. I think I just <laughs> quoted my sixth grade musical, but like, it's true. So if we can just educate ourselves and surround ourselves with support and, you know, supportive female women that are like, we're all going through it. We can talk like the best people to talk about. I feel like when you're going through something like that is your girlfriends, your, your women, like people that yeah are, you know, um, are in it and are experiencing it too. So you don't feel alone and so you can educate yourself. And I think changing the conversation too, which is why I love that we're having this talk because I think like I grew up with this expectation, like, you know, they called menopause, the change, you know, it was like the curse, like all of these negative terms associated with our female cycles and the different changes that we're going to go through. And so, you know, it's like that, getting together with the girls. And it used to be this bonding conversation over like whose symptoms were worse and how horrible the symptoms were. But I, what I would love to shift the conversation to is like the fact that these symptoms actually aren't normal. 
and that we don't have to just get through it. We don't have to suffer for five to 15 years until we get on the other side, that they're actually really simple lifestyle shifts we can make that will help us to feel a whole lot better. And I have a lot of clients that are on hormone therapy, and I don't like to call it hormone replacement therapy because I think it's really important to note that our hormones are meant to be declining. So Mm. it's not that we're like, we need to replace them because they're missing. But if you were in our 20s, it was better, the best. Right. It's a natural process. Yeah. And hormone therapy can help mediate the symptoms. It can help soften them. But what I found is I'll have a lot of clients who come to me and they're on hormone therapy and, you know, they're like six or nine months in and they're like, well, at first I felt so much better. I was getting really great results, but now it's like, it doesn't even seem like it's doing anything. Well, the lifestyle factors Mm. are creating the disruptions. Mm. It's not, it's not the declining hormone really. That's the problem. It's that your body's not prepared. Mm. So like, if you think about it like this, Yeah, the ovaries are going into retirement. They're going to offload hormone production to other organs. The gut needs to play a big part. The adrenal glands need to play a big part. So the ovaries start to go into retirement, but your adrenals are completely taxed from not managing your cortisol and your gut is all out of balance from the toxic world that we live in. Your body digest your food. You're you you're not getting your nutrition. You're not getting your energy. So then you're drinking a ton of coffee. You're skipping meals because you've gained some weight. Then you're not sleeping because you're drinking caffeine too late in the day, or maybe overdoing it. Your adrenals are just gone. So you just are exhausted all the time, and you just think that this is the way that it is. Yeah, and then you're you know it's like women that are are that's that's what they're feeling. Um, and I know I have a really sensitive digestive system. I have to fo- like, people are like, how do you eat so healthy? I'm like, you know, I, sometimes I would love to go just eat a pizza or greasy fried food, but honestly, I haven't been able to eat that since I was like a teenager because I, everybody's different. I know. And I had to take these crazy medications for my epilepsy when I was little for like a lot, a lot of years and medication, that medication you know, had an impact on my digestive system and just, you know, that's just my body. So it's, it's almost like we have to like train our body to be I don't know if resilient is the right word or adaptable, maybe, maybe yeah. like adaptable with like these lifestyle choices. So let's go into some of, I'm so excited for this part. Let's go into some of the lifestyle choices. And then we can kind of talk about, you know, nutrition and any, anything else, supplements, anything else you would like to share. So I feel like the first one I always like to start with, because it's like, it doesn't have to be that hard, is Mm -hmm. how do I get more oxytocin? Because oxytocin is going to help keep cortisol in check. And that's our feel-good hormone. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. Hugs, um, petting your pet, cuddling with your pet, like your crazy new little adorable puppy, (laughs) you know? Child, child, puppy. Yeah, but I do. do Yeah, Singing, humming, any kind of like art, things that put you in flow, spending time in nature, like oxytocin, laughing, smiling. Funny movies. Funny movies, exactly. The time of of life to watch lots of comedies, sitcom, feel good stuff. Yes. And that gives you those little oxytocin boosts. And so a lot of times when I work with my clients, I'll say like, what, like, we'll bring up all the things that can give you an oxytocin boost. And I'm like, how many of these were in your day today? And it will be none. And so we'll just look at how can we intentionally schedule stuff like that into the day. So like I had one client 
who she's, she always says she has two left feet, but she just signed up to do a dance class with her best friend. And it brings her so much joy. And she laughs the whole time because she has two left feet. And so it's like, this is scheduled into her week, this oxytocin boost. She gets quality time with a friend, laughter, exercise, music. It's this big oxytocin boost. Love it. It's like happy wow. habits. Yeah. Happy habits. Happy habits. I love it. Yeah. And then cortisol. So then I like to look at cortisol. Like, how are we going to manage our cortisol? And so people are always like, well, they'll get, as soon as I tell them we have to manage our cortisol, you're stressed. They're like, but I have to do this and this and this and this and this. And, this. and I'm like, whoa, there it is right there. It's not even the life circumstances. It's not the stressors. It's how we react to the stressors in our body. So you don't have to change your whole life. Like, I mean, yeah, if you have a job that makes you absolutely miserable and you hate it, let's start to put a plan in place to see like, how do we exit that? Is it a year from now? Is it two years from now? Let's make a plan. But that's big picture. Right now, how do we regulate your nervous system before you go to that job? How do we work to teach your body to flow between parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system throughout the day. You're stuck in fight or flight. Most of us are. We can move it with our breath. It's so easy. And I think the simplest thing to do is to teach people to belly breathe. And I like to have it second into the day. So if you do it for one minute before breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you put yourself into rest and digest before you eat. So you're going to have better nutrient absorption. You teach your nervous system to be flexible, to move in and out of fight or flight and to rest or digest. And once you start to practice that one minute habit three times a day, you'll find yourself naturally turning to your breath in moments of stress to calm your system down. I also tell people sigh or go like, like blow out through your lips. Just like make those lips vibrate. It tones your vagal nerve, which is the nerve that runs from your brain into your gut. And it creates that, it's like a somatic release. Right. Shaky. We did that for theater class. We That's, yeah. our, that's part of our warm up. We have to tune our whole body to get ready yep. to work. Um, I love that. That is so brilliant because you're training, you're creating those habits within your day. And mm-hmm. yeah, sure, you're going to have to think about it. I would say for me, I would need to set a timer on my phone. Otherwise, I forget. I'm very forgetful. But once it's a habit and I don't need to think about it, it's definitely something I could see myself utilizing and rest and digest is so important. And because when you're stressed and if people don't know this, if you are really stressed out either before you eat or while you're eating, like there's a fine chance that you're not really going to digest most of your food and yeah. you're going to be bloated and you're going to have like gas pains later and all the things it's, it's I mean, it's called rest and digest for a reason. <laughs> Like we need to be in that state in order to digest our food. I love it. So that's brilliant. So, so belly breathing for one minute, three times a day to get you to calm and, and have your body right. Be flexible to, to easily go from fight or flight into rest and digest mode to eat and enjoy your meal. And Um, I do with my clients, like, I, I mean, I've had clients with autoimmune conditions that, you know, they couldn't move the needle at all. We start working on cortisol management. We start working on things like breath work and it's life-changing. It seems too simple to be effective. And that's actually what makes it so effective. Sounds very Um, woo-woo, but it is science-backed. There's science-backed research. I'll find some stuff and put it in the the show notes. People can read about the science-backed research. I'll find it. it. But it it is out there and it is something that, you know, 
people who like perform, people who give speeches, people who have seen therapists and health coaches for anxiety and for gut health issues, the breath work is something. And that's something that's one of the reasons I fell in love with yoga was because of how good I felt because we did so much breath work. It wasn't even about the movement. We could sit there for 10 minutes and breathe and, and not even meditate, but just really getting into our belly and breathing deep belly breaths. And it, it does, it lowers cortisol and, and, and helps everything. I love that. Such great tips. Okay. Navy SEALs, Navy SEALs are trained to do box breathing. Like for, you know, that's how they control their nervous system in those super stressful situations. So if it works for the Navy SEALs, like it can work for us. I love it. I love it. So belly breath and box breathing. Yeah, box breathing. You did a video about that on your Insta. I was watching it. Yeah, and you can look it up on YouTube. It's so, so easy. It's just, it's four, 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 four. Yeah. Four in, hold it for four, exhale for four, pause for four. Love it. Yeah. Um, and then blood sugar. Yeah. This is really like sugar. my favorite one to talk about. Because oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's nutrition. It's nutrition. It's so easy. Like they're just really simple hacks because people automatically think like if I'm like, okay, let's talk about nutrition. They're like, the brain goes deprivation. Right. Diet, deprivation. deprivation. We're talking about it because we have to lose weight. No, 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 no. Like, no. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we really just like balancing the blood sugar is so important. And so one of my favorite ways to explain it to people is when you go to sleep at night, you're obviously not eating. So you naturally have fasted overnight. There's your stomach is empty when you wake up. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine like, you know, your stomach, like from your, you know, from your mouth to your stomach, there's a big empty tube. Mm-hmm. Whatever you eat, the first thing you eat, it's rushing down into your stomach. There's nothing to slow it down. And then it's flooding into your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. So most of us, if you think of breakfast foods, they're very carbon sugar heavy, even if they're whole foods based, even if you're having like a yogurt in a fruit bowl or a smoothie, which I would have a like protein powder, yogurt and fruit almost every morning, especially in the summertime. I love that as my breakfast. This was one of the shifts I made during perimenopause that helped me dramatically. So it's going to rush in. Now, if I eat fiber first, so if I eat like veggies, which I know vegetables for breakfast, it's an insane concept, but stick with me because you can have your fruity breakfast for lunch or for dinner. But if you have the fiber first, that fiber kind of creates like a mesh netting over the tube. So then whatever you eat after that, it's going to drip in more slowly It can't rush in. It has to drip in. And that means that the energy from all the food that you have after that is going to slowly drip in. You're going to get a slow, stable release. So instead of getting a rush of glucose, blood sugar, where, you know, your body uses what it can, but it's usually more than we can use in the moment, then insulin has to get released to mop up the excess to protect us. That gets stored in our fat, which swells our fat. Then now all the energy is gone because insulin mopped it all up. So now your body's like very shortly afterwards, I'm hungry. I have a craving. I need energy. I need a source of energy. So we're going to coffee, sugary drinks, pastries, things that are going to give us a quick hit of Mm -hmm. glucose for energy. So all throughout the day, even if they're healthier foods, we're doing this. We're spiking and crashing our blood sugar. What we want to do is stabilize it. And fiber is the key to that. I so that you said that it can be just shifting what you eat, have fiber at the start of every meal, 
fiber first thing in the morning, then your protein and your healthy fats, and then your carbs, your fruits, even your dessert at the end. The dessert will have less of a hit if it's at the end of a fiber-filled meal than if you wait two hours to have it. Brilliant. And I love that you said fiber and not protein because I think so many people are talking, not that there's anything wrong with protein. You're speaking my love language. I know. I love talking to you. This is why. Because everyone's like, just eat protein, eat more protein, eat protein at breakfast. And I'm just like, but, but But. fiber is actually the thing that's going to help even more. And you explained it so beautifully because it slows things down. It also scrubs out like your inside. It's going to help you go to the bathroom. Um, and I feed the good bacteria in your gut. And that's so important to your hormones because I feel like most women don't know this, but we have this like little subset of bacteria in our gut called our astrobolome. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically responsible for hormone signaling and hormone metabolization. Well, if it doesn't have enough diversity, variety, like quantity of those good bacteria to create those signals, to metabolize those hormones, that's when we can see things like estrogen dominance and excess estrogen. So eating that fiber, fiber is fuel for the good gut bacteria. They eat it as a food source so that they can thrive. And so you're serving your body in so many ways by just implementing that one simple habit. I don't need to change anything else. If you're going to have like fast food for dinner, okay, but can you have a salad first and then have it? Because it's going to have less of a negative impact. Give your body what it needs. Then you can give it what you want. Right. We got to give it its tools and fibers, like the tools that it uses on so many different levels. So let me ask you. So I hear fiber. I hear breakfast. I think oatmeal. Um. What could you give some like examples of some different breakfast variations for people just so they have some like tangible things to like start with in the morning? Like is oatmeal a good choice or it does the fiber need to be from vegetables? I know whole foods is better than like fiber. If my mom were part of this conversation, she would be like, what about the fiber drink that I got at the store? I'm like, <laughs> well, let's not just drink psyllium husk, mom. Like let's yeah. Get it from our food, but okay. What would you suggest? So, I mean, when you when you think about like oatmeal, it's still I put that like in the category of the yogurt bowl that I was having because it's it's more of a starch. It does have fiber in it, but it's very starchy. What do we usually add to oatmeal? Like cinnamon, sugar, not cinnamon is not bad, but maple you know, syrup, maple syrup, butter, sweet, berries, nut butter, fruit, berries. Yeah, you're getting a very small bit of fiber, but you're getting a lot of sugar, even if they're good fiber from vegetables. If I did, yes, okay, okay. So, like, okay, so I'm trying to think of like examples. So, like, some of the things that I do, and people think I'm weird, but like, I'll do bone broth soup. So, I'll just put bone broth in a bowl, I'll put like some kale, spinach, broccoli. I just buy like a frozen bag of mixed veggies, drop those in there. And then I do, I still want to get my protein that helps us stay full. We need it for our muscles. So then I'll either put some tofu or crack a couple eggs in there. And I will have like a bone broth, rich veggie based soup. I eat that for breakfast, like almost every day in the winter time. 
I'll eat a salad for breakfast, but this is my tip I give to most people starting out. You don't have to change your breakfast. If you normally have oatmeal, you can have your oatmeal. If you normally have a yogurt bowl or smoothie, you can have it. But here's what I want you to do. When you make dinner, whatever vegetables you're making for dinner, I want you to make extra, portion a serving out for the morning, just eat like a cup. Add of that the- in addition to. Yeah. Eat a Love cup it. of the veggies first thing in the morning and then have whatever you normally have, your toast, your Right. Whatever. Is it better yeah. for it to be cooked veggies or is raw vegetables, in your opinion, just as good? That either one is great for the blood sugar balancing. I say for that, it just sort of depends on your digestive system. If you eat raw veggies and you feel really gassy, cooking them can help kind of break them down a little bit and eases the impact on your digestive system. First, I mean, it is in, in France. We, when we went there for our honeymoon, we, I just remember vividly, like all the cafes we went to for breakfast, they serve like a salad with the, with your eggs, you get, you know, get that. Um, or, and they have pastries there too and stuff, but okay. So fiber, what about green smoothies? What about a green smoothie and add a protein powder? So with the green smoothie, it's not that it's terrible, but because the blender like emulsifies everything, you're not getting as much of that like, you know, fiber netting it. because it's already broken down so much that it can just kind of rush through. Okay, we want to do something where we're teaching or digestive. We're giving it what it needs with that fiber. That's not. Let me give it like more. So like greens with your protein of choice or sliced yeah. tomatoes. Even yes, carrots. Like carrots. I have one client. She's so picky. She doesn't like vegetables, but she'll do celery sticks and hummus. And she eats those while she cooks her normal like oatmeal breakfast. So she eats celery and hummus while she's preparing the rest of her breakfast. And then she just has her breakfast. So like when I was a a, a raw vegan, when I first went plant-based, I was a raw vegan. It was like, I was, I was intense and I would have, I don't know why I did this, but I wanted something salty. Like before I would have, like, I'd make a big smoothie, a green smoothie, typically tons of greens and veggies and fruit in there as well. And I don't think I was adding protein powder at the time because I was detoxing and cleansing from like a cancer scare. But anyways, I remember I would like munch on carrots because I loved carrots and um, in the morning, like while I was making my stuff and I stuck with that habit, I actually kept it when I went back and started eating all kinds of food, cooked food and things. I would have oatmeal is what I loved when I lived in San Francisco. It was really cold and I love oatmeal. And so I would do like my little veggies as I was making my oatmeal, not even realizing, but it's probably helping my gut health, not even realizing, but just intuitively it just, I felt good eating that. So for people listening, try out some of these things and suggestions and see how you feel like give it a week and see how your digestion improves and see how your energy improves. Because when our digestion is working great, we have more energy when our, we have a sluggish gut and a sluggish digestion and we, we don't have as much energy. So see how you feel, try different recipes, but yeah, I love that. That's such a great tip. And I'm glad that we clarified what kind of fiber is the most beneficial and that we can just add in veggies from the night before. I love that tip. Or we can have things chopped up and it can be our little morning veggie snack and we can snack on it, you know, as we're making breakfast that we're going to sit down and have with the family or just on our own, whatever it is. Um, fabulous. 
What I feel like the last tip that we have to mention, okay, really important when we're working to balance the hormones is being able to get endocrine disrupting chemicals out of our bodies. Oh, yes. So Talk like about EDCs, endocrine disrupting chemicals, your endocrine system is what controls all of the hormone production and everything. So EDCs are found in pretty much everything. Like they're in our skincare products, our water, our air, our soil, our clothing, the paint on our walls. So we're, you know, we're never going to completely avoid them. We live in a world that has a lot of toxins, but there are a lot of things that we can do. So number one, you have to understand that these endocrine disrupting chemicals in our body, they mimic our natural hormones. So especially as we're going through perimenopause and our natural hormones are declining, Think of your cells that have like these little hooks. They can like reach out and grab the hormone, pull it inside so it can do its job. Well, if you've got something floating around that's mimicking estrogen and your cells are grabbing that and pulling it in, well, you have less natural estrogen right now and you've got fake estrogens floating around in your body. So the more we can reduce those fake estrogens, the better chance we have of getting the estrogen that we need into our cell to communicate the signals that need to be sent out to our bodies. So women put over 160 endocrine disrupting chemicals on their body in the morning while they're getting ready every single day. That's the average. And for men, it's like, I think 87 or 85. So that's significant. So starting to look at our products and choose cleaner products is a great one thing to do. Another thing that's really important is looking at supporting our liver health and our gut health because detox the body. And I know people are like, Oh, the word detox is bad. It's, it's diet culture. And I'm like, no, it's actually something that our bodies should be doing correctly and like powerfully every single day. And there are things that help them detox. Like it's not about weight loss. It's about like health. And when I'm taught, when I say to detox, like I literally just mean having regular bowel movements. Yeah. And like, like, so like you, it, most people don't poop one to three times a day and that's what's normal. And people don't know that they're pooping like one to three times a week. And so you've got all these patient is also another symptom that you can experience while your hormone levels are fluctuating. It is one that I experienced. I thought it was just the stress of Christmas, but nope, it happened again around the same time in my cycle in January. So I know for a fact that it is actually hormone fluctuations. Um, well, the body uses the bile from our liver and then glutathione, which we naturally make to bind up environmental toxins and flush them out through our waste. Mm -hmm. So if you're not pooping and you've got that sitting there, and it's got all those toxins in it, but that's tissue where it's sitting and it can get absorbed back into our bodies instead of being excreted because it's sitting for too long. It also, you know, you're maybe not absorbing all of your nutrients that way. Like there's just a lot of things that are yeah. happening. So they can support the liver. And yeah. um, would you suggest, you mentioned glutathione, you, would you suggest people start, people can supplement with that? You know, there's a lot of glutathione supplements out there. Yeah, I think glutathione is an amazing supplement. We naturally start to make less of it as we age. And it's a really, really, like I supplement with glutathione every day. It's part of my morning. Now, now also, that I've realized where, where I'm at in life, I I, I have as well started. <laughs> yeah, it's what a good one. It's collagen. 
Collagen is, I think, one that is really common that people are like, oh, I should start taking collagen because I don't want to have brittle bones when I'm older. I don't want to have like face wrinkles. I mean, we we produce call like there are collagen producing compounds in all plant foods, basically, like antioxidants and all the things, right? But I think it's also how our body and tell me what you think, but I've noticed that it's like how we treat our body, um, where and, and what we're putting in our body that we're able to produce collagen for like longer or produce it more effectively. Um, because I don't want people to think that they have to go out and supplement with everything, but what are some besides glutathione? And I know you do, you do collagen as well. You're like a fan of collagen. Um, what type, and then what other things can women like look for to add into their, um, like vitamin supplement routine that would help them? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. I think the important thing to know about collagen is a lot of people talk about it as kind of like a beauty supplement. So we think about like crow's feet and, you know, all of that. But we have to remember that like what's happening as I went through perimenopause, you know, remember I said at the beginning that I noticed my skin was like thinning and it was dry and brittle. Well, the tissue inside our body is using collagen too. It's made up of collagen. Our tendons, our our arteries, our pelvic floor, like all that tissue. So if you see your skin aging on the outside, that's Imagine on the inside. inside. Right. So this is why I say like collagen can and should be a wellness supplement when it's used in that way. Type one and three are the external skin, yeah. hair, nails. Got it. Type two is the internal for like the pelvic floor tissue, the arteries, the ligaments, the tendons, all those things. So joint pain is a very common symptom of perimenopause, ladies. Uh, I think a lot of people don't know that. Headaches also, like so so many of these things. And so um, I always with collagen, I like it to be single source. I want to be able to see their testing and make sure there's not like toxins, heavy metals. And I want to make sure it's type one, two, and three, but you can't use collagen as a bandaid either. So like, you know, if you're not getting nutrients in your body, you know, if you're never pooping, like you're only going to see such an improvement from adding a collagen supplement. But I think if you're making some lifestyle shifts, if you're trying to take things in that are going to, you know, support your body from the inside out and you add collagen to that, you can see some really amazing transitions. Lifting weights and face yoga and those types of things, they also naturally help to stimulate those processes. They make our bones stronger. They help us produce more collagen. I love that. Uh, yeah, strength training I've read and and is important. Um, I love that you pointed out though that it's, it shouldn't be used as a Band-Aid because I do think a lot of people tend to you know, and it's not that there's, it's human. You're, we're human. We, we are hurting, we're struggling, we're suffering, and we want to just fix it. And we want to fix it fast and we'll pay however much money and we'll order whatever we have. We'll take the dang supplement because we want to feel better quickly. But I think it's important that I'm glad that you pointed that out. Supplements shouldn't just be the thing. It shouldn't be the only thing you turn to. It's not like a band-aid. It should be part of the lifestyle. And there are so many great things that we went over, like, you know, the happy habits and like fiber first from vegetables. Hopefully, if that's if people can get into the habit of doing that just a little bit would make such a huge difference. And, you know, lowering cortisol and taking care of our adrenals and 
living kind of, you know, really being mindful and living more of a low tox lifestyle can really help our bodies transition with ease so that when we do add the supplements in, we notice a difference. It's not just we're spending all this money and taking these supplements, waiting to feel better, wanting to fix it fast and not changing anything else. Because it really is, I think, all about just, you know, taking it one day at a time, focusing on, I like to tell my clients too, like a weekly habit focus, like what habit are you adding in this week? What are we focusing on? And just focus on that. And if you can do that and you can get through the week, and you can start to feel a little better. You can do it the next week. And however many weeks, you got to just focus on that one thing. You do it until it becomes a habit. Then you can add in another one. And then when you get really pro like you, you can have it stack. And you're like, no, I'm going to do the box breathing. And I'm going to do the veggies. I'm going to eat my water. And I'm, you know. I have it stack at all. It's like I have the veggies. I'm doing my face yoga. But I breathe while I do the face yoga. So you're yeah, yourself on Instagram. She's like, you guys, she goes live on Instagram and she's like, it's like early in the morning. She's no filter. She's like, I'm going to do my face yoga. Get a little, got to get a little moist on there. So you don't pull the skin. You're doing it. And I'm like sitting here in my bathroom. It's like 530 AM. And I'm like watching this video going, okay, my, I'm going to rub a rub between my eyebrows. I'm going <laughs> to lift it up. And I'm like, you're filming it. You're doing the thing. And it's because you've been doing it for so long. It's just part of your life. And so you're sharing it. And I'm like, just we all have things that we do every single day that we don't even think about. And so once you start, like, and that's why I say pick one or two things. Um, am I like, if you look at my Instagram profile, I have a little mini course and it's five lifestyle shifts for perimenopause success. It's like five simple things you can do because like you said, supplements, I'm a huge proponent, but supplements okay. are supplemental. You're They're the meant lifestyle. supplement the lifestyle yeah. thing. That course, by the way, you guys, I'll put all of our information in the show description and everything like that. So don't worry. Um, but yeah, I, so supplemental to the lifestyle. Okay. So one thing we've not touched on, and I know you're, you're a matcha fan. You drink matcha. I do like matcha. Yeah. Yeah. I like matcha too. Do you, were you ever a coffee drinker? Do you drink coffee? Oh, I, I was a huge coffee drinker, like a coffee addict and I do still drink coffee. Okay. Um, I have to tell my clients, like, I will not take your coffee away from you. I will ask you to do two things to make your coffee work for you instead of against you. Okay. What are they? The first thing is no coffee on an empty stomach. So we're not using it to wake up in the morning. You can have your coffee with or after your breakfast, but not before. Got it. And the second thing is we got to source better coffee. So coffee can be loaded with acid and gold and toxins. Like we talked about, we got to get those endocrine disrupting chemicals out of our body. So you've got to choose a coffee that is tested for mold, organic, you know, just healthier for you. And you will feel the difference. You will not get the jitters. It You will feel it's just more smooth and enjoyable. So all the Starbucks girls are going to have to learn how to make coffee at home? I mean, I had to. And like on the rare occasion that I get a Starbucks. Starbucks girl? Oh, you no. Oh, I was years ago. Starbucks. Like before I became a coach. Yeah. yeah. But I will occasionally on like a road trip or like yeah. something like that have one. Yeah. But I find I never end up drinking it. Like I, I order it out of like nostalgia, yeah. but it tastes so bitter to oh. me now and so chemically that I usually end up not being able 
to finish it. So So I'm not a huge coffee drinker. My husband is and always has been. And I, when we, I moved in, we started like, I'm like, no, 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 we're buying organic. He was like, what is so much more expensive? And I was like, well, we're just going to figure it out. We're just going to find where it's cheaper to buy organic because this is my like this is the level that I eat at. And then I want you to live a long time too. I don't want to just outlive you by 20 years. Like that would be boring. You got to live long too. So, you know, he was resistant at first because of the investment, but he felt so much better after we kind of switched over to, you know, organic and I buy, I made sure the coffee's organic and it's like all the things that you're saying, because I was aware of that and I wanted him to have the best. And so I think we really, you know, we spend money on clothes and products and all these kinds of things, our kids shoes that they're going to grow out of in two months. Like let's switch the narrative and like really start to invest our money in our health by the products we're choosing to buy, by the organic coffee, you know, taking the time. It is faster to drive through probably a Starbucks, maybe not if there's a long line, but you don't have to make it yourself. But if you can learn how to do it in a way that's, you know, going to support your body, then you're going to feel better. And you're going to, that's, I think that's worth it. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually like, you know, you can, it kind of crowds things out. Like in the morning I'll have like my bone broth soup, like I was saying, and I'll have a matcha, but then I might have a coffee like a little bit later in the afternoon. Well, because I'm not using it as a crutch to wake up in the morning anymore, where I would have like, you know, a huge cup of coffee, my organic coffee lasts longer. Cause now it's just like an, an afternoon, an early afternoon treat. And I not, I, you know, I'm not going through as much of it. So it also lasts longer. And, you know, just like I said, you feel so much better. Yeah. I love you can't that. Go back afterwards. You just can't go back. Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring it up because I know it's such a common thing. It's a common thing that people have as part of their morning routine. And so I love that. So no coffee on an empty stomach, have it with your breakfast or after and make sure it's high quality organic. Cause that really makes a difference. Huge difference. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you feel like you want to add? You know, I just, I just feel like it's really important for women to know you're, you're going to go to the doctor when you start to have these symptoms, like you're going to talk to your gynecologist about it. And that's great. And some gynecologists are like very well versed on the latest science. Others are not know that, you know, your body better than anybody else, that you do not need a diagnosis of perimenopause to start making simple lifestyle shifts that are going to help support your body through this, what can be a very long journey. So, you know, listen to your body, talk to your girlfriends, share helpful podcasts like this, like spread the word that perimenopause is not the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of a new, exciting phase of your life. And most women will spend about three decades of their life in peri and postmenopausal years. So if we look at it as the end, that's, that's really depressing and sad. And like, I, it can be vibrant, joyful, healthy, fun-filled years, but that's a choice we got to make. How are we going to approach these signals our body's giving us? And how are we going to treat our body through this transition? Because that's going to really play a big role in our quality of life and ultimately what we think of these next three decades. It's like a third of our lives. 
So I want it to be good. I want it to be freaking great. I want it to be amazing, like the best ever. But it can't be the best ever if you're feeling like poop and you're not pooping. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom. I know that so many women are going to get so much out of this. Um, Let everyone know where they can come connect with you over on Instagram and various other places. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Coach Kaylee. It's C-A-L-I-E. That's probably the easiest place to reach me. I respond to all my direct messages. It is me. So if you have questions, if you have anything that you'd like to ask, send me a message and I'd love to help. Check out her face yoga, you guys. I'm telling you. (laughs) Oh, the whole month of February, we're doing a face yoga, minute of face yoga every day. So it's going to be a good Yeah. Like videos on Instagram? Live on Instagram, one minute a day. What time? What time? I'm going to be there in my robe. I everyone keeps asking. I'm and two hours ahead of you, so yeah, you're you probably will be watching the replay because okay. I'll probably do it right before I take my son to school. So it's going to be like six thirty in the morning. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll hopefully be sleeping. Hopefully you're sleeping, <laughs> but I'll watch definitely, and I'll uh, jump on the replay and and do. That's awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your wisdom. I'll put all the links down below so you guys can connect with her and um, I'll include the link for your little mini course too. I want to take that. Um, thanks so much. And it was so fun. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye.